Welcome to the Universal Joint Podcast. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host Dustin Fuse and I are recording this podcast on Tuesday, August 27th. And what that's just a few days before Labor Day. So, Dustin, forgive my, my Canadian ignorance here, but I was honestly surprised to learn that Canada also celebrates Labor Day on the first Monday of September, uh, though... And I noticed that yours is an L-A-B-O-U-R Labor Day, and ours is an L-A-B-O-R Day. Again, open again. This is the Universal Joint Podcast, so an extra U is helpful. Um, do, do you have any plans for the upcoming weekend? Or? Um, yeah, we, we tend to just, you know, see what's around. It's a lot of outdoors events, uh, a lot of just saying hi to family, seeing uh, what's, uh, what's going on in the city. And just like any good Canadian, you always got to add an extra U in there. So I, I'm, I'm a huge fan that you pointed out the spelling because, you know, Canadian spelling, it's kind of there, kind of isn't. But we, we just like having fun with it. But yeah, it looks like the weekend's going to be gorgeous. Great weather. Yeah. Okay, good. It's, we're hoping to get out ourselves. In fact, uh, Sunday I have a family wedding, my nephew. Uh, nice. so looking forward to that. But I, Well, again, we were talking Labor Day. Uh, the nice folks at Universal uh, actually want us to remind our listeners, especially those folks uh, who are out in Southern California, that, that they have a second day free promotion going on right now. Have you heard about this yet, Dustin? Or? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the idea of uh, folks who are going to Universal being given that extra day for free. Um, mm-hmm. So all you have to do is just make sure that you pick up the, the one-day ticket that's um, basically set for this time. It's now between it's between now and Monday the 2nd, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you get and- your second day for free, which is huge. Yeah, but again, you know, of course, in today's modern world, terms and conditions apply. Uh, yeah. First and foremost, this admission material is only available for purchase through Labor Day. Yeah. Uh, more to the point, you have to make that second visit to Universal Studios Hollywood before September 27th. Otherwise, your second day free ticket is no longer valid. So, But on the other hand, they have Jurassic World The Ride, and yeah. you know, you're going to want to... Ride that at least once. So, you know, oh, and excuses uh, to go and get more butter beer. Oh, shucks. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and while we're talking about admissions materials, I guess we should talk about that. Uh, Universal St- Orlando also just rolled out a brand new ticket. Uh, this is uh, kind of interesting to me. It's it's a it's a multi day, as in five days, mm-hmm. uh, three part ticket. Let's see. Okay, adult cost is two hundred sixty four dollars and ninety nine cents. Kids ticket and kids in today's theme park world is what three to nine. Yeah. Anyway, the, those tickets are two hundred fifty four dollars and ninety nine cents. But they get you into all three Universal parks, and uh, that's of course Universal Studios Florida, Universal Studios Islands Adventure. And Universal's Volcano Bay Water Theme Park, which I still can't say without feeling it's it's not a theme park. It's a theme park. <laughs> yep. So we but. we have that conversation on a day to day basis, just because people like saying, "Oh, the fourth theme park is coming to Universal Orlando." No, they're going to have three amazing theme parks and one really great water park. Mm, yeah, and but again, uh, terms and conditions apply. Uh, you have to purchase the ticket before Tuesday, December third. Uh, and more interesting to me is that this ticket only allows you to visit one Universal Park per day. Oh, 
which, you know, I'm kind of concerned about that because it's like, isn't the Hogwarts Express like one of the big to-dos of, you know, your Universal Orlando experience? And if your admission material only allows you to, uh, you know, to be in one park for one day, doesn't it mean you, you miss out on one of this resort's signature attractions? Yeah, I wonder if, uh, and this is just spitballing as, as we're having this conversation, um, what the upgrade would uh, be to put one of those days as a park hopper. Uh, because a lot of times they'll take the the full value of the ticket. So if it's five days, even if you're mm-hmm. only switching it to a park hopper for one day, you still mm-hmm. have to take that five day comparison. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's always something to look at. Uh, yeah. And this cost honestly is is a fairly low price when you're looking at buying just a single day ticket. So mm-hmm. yeah, just as as Jim said in the very beginning, just know the terms and conditions, and if there are ways around it, just be prepared to fork out a little extra if you did want to do the Hogwarts Express. Well, it's funny you say ways around it because I I I, I couldn't help but look okay because sure. it. $264.99 for five days worth of admission to any theme park in Orlando is, mm-hmm. is, is a pretty good price. But I, could, I couldn't help but look at seasonal passes for Universal. And, and <laughs> here's the thing, Justin, for $5 more, $269, uh, you get a pass that allows you, first of all, allows you to go from park to park. Mm-hmm. Uh, second of all, uh, yeah, okay, so it's a seasonal pass. So there are blockout dates. But but here's the thing. If you're starting this pass now, mm-hmm. you have no blockout dates till December 21st. And they, even then, it's it's blocked out December 21st through uh, December 31st, 2019. And then uh, there's just three more days that it's blocked mm-hmm. out. Uh, January 1st through the 3rd, 2020. And the, from there... It's it's wide open till April third, two thousand twenty. And I, look, I, I I understand that people who are coming to town as tourists and you know who leave, it would make sense just to buy a five day ticket. But if I'm a local, I I I think I'd have to be crazy to spend two hundred and sixty four dollars on a ticket I could only use for five days versus five more dollars, and I get like a hundred. <laughs> And and sixty some odd days before yep. I, I I really significantly start to get blocked out, um, and that's why you should be in the sales department at Universal Orlando out front uh, talking to guests as they're coming in and saying, "Hey, you know what you should do? Here's an extra five dollars. Enjoy." Get <laughs> uh, just I, I I don't know that that's my problem is anytime I'm in line and somebody does that to me, all I can think is rust proofing undercoat you know just sort of it's like you're trying to sell me something i don't need and in this case you know i mean being an annual pass holder at universal does have its perks i mean just right now right now at the parks yeah uh in fact i think on the last show you were talking up the whole uh what is it pass holder appreciation days and yeah and it's gonna uh, be awesome (laughs) And and now is the lounge still up and running? I, I forget. Wasn't that a short term aspect of it? Or? Uh, let's see here. So there there's a lot of things that are involved in this 
uh, event. It's 50 days to show you the love. So it's August 12th to September 30th. Um, mm-hmm. Secret menu items, uh, dining discounts. Oh, they give you, uh, you, or sorry, you can purchase a exclusive Coca-Cola freestyle souvenir cup. Mm-hmm. And you get, this is something I didn't know until just um, logging in for this. You actually get the exclusive uh, flavor. So they brought out a new Sprite Grape Berry Blitz. It's only available at um, the Coca-Cola freestyle locations. Uh, okay, so that that's kind of cool. Um, well, okay, merchandise. You know, that's as a diabetic, I, I stand on the other side and I wave to these things. It's like, yeah. oh look, another thing I can't have. Yeah. Um, but you know, actually, you know, supposedly one of the great perks of these Passover Appreciation Days is the actually the, the, the Passover Appreciation Night. And in yeah. fact, the most recent one was held on Sunday, August 18th, uh, from 8 p.m. to midnight. Pass holders had all of Universal Studios Florida to themselves. And, um, you know, it, and unfortunately, some folks kind of took advantage of, of this. It, you heard about this photo, right? A little bit. Yeah. Okay. For those of you who don't know... Four idiots who were riding uh, the Revenge of the Mummy ride. Evidently, when they got to the image capture point in the attraction, they made it was it was either the Nazi salute or white power symbols, and and then to sort of make this so much worse. Um, and again, and again, to be fair here, the the poor Universal team member who was working. The image capture uh, thing at, at Revenge of the Mummy evidently didn't recognize what they were doing. Yeah. You know, and, and to be honest, I you know I, I say this as a sixty-four year old adult, I wouldn't know a white power symbol if you did it in front of me. Nazi salute, I know. Yeah. But um, but yeah. So what they do is they not only capture this image, they hand it off to the social media team, who then put it up on the Universal Passholder fan page. And now, to their credit, when people pointed out what was going on in the Im- image, Universal fell on this thing like wolves and pulled it down and yep. immediately apologized. They, they issued a statement about the accidental posting, saying it was appalling, that uh, went on to stress that hate has no place here and we have no tolerance for any displays of hatred within our destination. We stand for diversity, inclusion, and respect, and... And he guessed using hate speed or, or displaying hate symbols is immediately removed from our destination and not allowed to return. Um, kind of, in this situation, though, there's no word about whether or not they were actually able to identify the pass holders or the pass holders in their guess and what was done. However, if there's a God, they had to, they took a, a, an Uber that night. And sure. that meant before they left the park, they basically had to walk to the moon to get out of the park to go home. Have you heard about this new Uber Lyft setup that, that Universal has? Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, just just so everyone knows, that was uh, that was a gym segue, and wow. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Your your segues are getting better with uh, with this, and yeah, I think um, the the fact that Uber and Lyft have changed where they're picking up uh, away from traditional, uh, well, not traditional, but the way that they were doing it, which was by the the taxis and the uh, uh, hotel shuttles and other buses. Um, 
this kind of makes sense because that area, if you ever took a an Uber to or from, that area yeah. would just get backed up and swamped with um, people trying to figure out what was going on. And as a someone who dealt a lot with Wi-Fi issues, mm-hmm. if you're not uh, on data, you actually don't have access to Wi-Fi in mm. that area. So you'd have to order your uh, Uber uh, on property before heading down and trying to pick up uh, a car down there. So it was a lot of things that just kind of boiled together. And I think that the team members just decided at the end of the day, we know that ride sharing is going to get more and more popular. So why not uh, design a, a location that will really service that uh, that uh, concept similar to what they did at uh, the Orlando International Airport, where well, it's just no, here's no, a specific no. location. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, you know, mm-hmm. no, and I, I get what you're saying. It, sure. it, it you know, it, it certainly sounds like there's a rational adult, you know, at the <laughs> other end of the microphone here. Now, sure. now, let me be the irrational one. Of course, where they set up the Uber Lyft pickup is on the fifth floor of the Jurassic Park section of the Universal Orlando Resort's North Parking Garage. All right? I think, honestly, by the time you walk there, if you'd walk the same distance in the opposite direction, you'd be in Kissimmee. Yep. All right? This, this, is a, this is a schlep. You know, and it's not only that, it's a schlep. At the beginning of the day, and certainly it's going to be a schlep at the end of a long day at the Universal Parks. I mean, I, I mean, I get that real estate is valuable, and, and let's be honest, you know, Uber and Lyft, you know, are, are relatively recent developments. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the park and the resort as designed today just didn't accommodate that. And, sure. and mind you, they're, after the fact, fact they're trying here, I mean, for, for example, there will be a dedicated lane going in and out of the parking garage. So once you actually get up to the fifth floor, uh, you know, you, you will be able to speed away relatively quickly. More to the point, if you're arriving during the day, they'll they'll take you upstairs, drop you off, and you can begin, you know, your universal adventure, you know, as quickly as possible. But still, it's it's... It's the fifth floor of the North Parking Garage, Dustin. You know, I mean, it's just it, convenient. You know, I, I think I do not think that that is what this word means. All right, you know, just sort of convenient is at least a half mile closer. Um, but eh, all right, I'm being grouchy. I'm sorry. Um, tell you what, let's talk about. But you know what? Happy- you you had a very great great point, and and I do mm-hmm. want to circle back only because. That brings back uh, a tip that I've always said for Disney folks is when you're taking your Uber to the Magic Kingdom, you actually take your Uber to the Contemporary Resort, grab food at the Contempo Cafe or something like that, and then walk across the street through your separate entrance and you're at the Magic Kingdom in maybe five minutes versus Hmm. going and getting dropped off at the Ticket and Transportation Center and then having to take either the monorail or the boat over. So this is what will end up happening at Universal Orlando Resort. Everyone will take an Uber, and instead of having their drop-off location be at, um, at this, you know, new location on the fifth floor of the parking structure, they'll go to Lowe's Royal Pacific Resort Hotel... 
and grab a uh, breakfast or some sort of a, a, a you know morning drink or morning uh, you know snack for later on in the day and then walk across the street and be at the entrance for Islands of Adventure in just a matter of minutes. I wonder, uh, you know, uh, just to alternate scenario sure. here, could they? I forget. Do they check your resort ID? Could you actually walk down to the boat? If you're going, go? if you're going for a meal mm-hmm. at uh, Jake's American Bar or the Bula uh, Bar and Grill or any of the the locations there, you're there as not a a, a resort guest. You're there to mm-hmm. enjoy uh, the amenities and probably spend some money. So I don't think there is a check back and forth if you're walking along the path that leads you right. I think it's on the side of Margaritaville. That's an interesting idea. Okay. Okay. Mate. We, we have that's found a, a loophole. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that's just hoping they don't close it. Let's see. It's been a while since we've talked about Halloween Horror Nights, and we are in T-minus country now. Just yep. 10 days till this year's Halloween Horror Nights begins, in, at least in Orlando, on September 6th. And uh, I think since we last recorded, they revealed the Halloween Marathon of Mayhem Lagoon show. Have you managed to see uh, the Universal Cinematic Celebration yet? The the new Lagoon show that came in last July. Yeah, I think we were down there just at the at the right time when that was coming online, um, mm-hmm. and then obviously as as updates and as things come a, a, along, I'm one of the biggest fans of uh, you know following some of the YouTubers who are uh, local to that area, mm-hmm. um, guys like Tim Tracker and such, uh, where mm-hmm. they go and they have that ability to say, hey, this is what's new today. Awesome stuff. But when this came out, it was actually a, a really uh, cool offering, I guess, for Halloween Horror Nights. Yeah. Now, to be clear here, folks, that, that the Universal Cinematic Celebration is basically presented any night the park is open later than, say, five or six. Mm-hmm. And well worth catching. It features over 100 fountains, giant water screens, as well as projection mapping. Um, on the other hand, Halloween Marathon of Mayhem is a, a, is only being presented on the nights that uh, Halloween Horror Nights is being presented at Universal Orlando this year. Now, mind you, there's 41 nights. So you'll have lots of opportunities to catch this thing. But... Uh, it's a, again, sort of a, a multimedia extravaganza that features iconic characters from famous horror filmed movies and TV shows. And mm-hmm. uh, what's kind of interesting is at least for this initial premiere version of, uh, of Marathon of Mayhem, they're leaning really heavily into the subject matter of... Uh, the mazes featured at this year's event. We've got Stranger Things, Ghostbusters, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, even the classic Universal Monsters. Again, another reason to go check out, you know, to get yourself a ticket and go check out Halloween Horror Night, though. Yep. The, the other reason, and I want to stress here, folks, that this is a rumor. I'm going to want to underline, circle, and indent that this is a rumor because... To be honest, and I'll explain in a minute why it doesn't make any sense to me, Uh, but supposedly another night of entertainment, if you have a ticket for Halloween Horror Nights, supposedly the long-rumored replacement attraction for Terminator 2 3D Battle Across Time will be in soft opening mode. So 
during the night. If you choose, you know, and the, the lines for the maze are too long, you can head over there and do that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, here's why, Dustin, this makes no sense to me whatsoever. Uh, first of all, Hollywood Boulevard, as it has been for years on Halloween and Horror Night, mm-hmm. is uh, it's a scare zone. Uh, yeah. This year, it's themed Vanity Ball. And strictly from an operations and safety point of view, I mean, think about it. You filled the street with props and yeah. those rolling sets. And you have scare actors you know associated with the scare zone coupled with the thousands of people who either walking up and down hollywood boulevard either to experience the scare zone or moving to other parts of the park invariably there's chemical fog you know so you know and you've lowered light levels to make it as spooky as possible does it make sense at all that if we're going by the terminator 2 3d model that every half hour you're going to send 700 people out through that gift shop into the street uh, while this scare zone is going on? I mean, that just, uh, you know, from safety and operations point of view, that just seems nuts to me. Again, don't get get me wrong. I don't mean Debbie Downer here because having, you know, a soft opening of an attraction that you can only experience during Mm -hmm. a hard-ticket event like Halloween Horror Nights... That's a great perk. But, you know, just from an operations point of view, I'm sorry. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And so, again, I'm, I underlined, circled, indented rumor. Uh, but on the other hand, September 6th is 10 days away, and we'll, we'll I guess we'll know for sure then. Yeah, and uh, I think the, the big thing to keep in mind is that stranger things have happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, Stranger Things, because Halloween yep. Horror Nights. There we go. Oh, I had to try. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't. I just don't think that would happen. But then again, I've I've been wrong on uh, you know rumored stuff before, as we mm-hmm. all saw at um, D twenty three. So, <laughs> so I, I think the Join big thing the with Halloween with Halloween Horror Nights is that um, if you are going, download the Universal Orlando Resort mobile app. Because you'll be getting a lot of ins and outs throughout the entire event, and they also have their terror trivia uh, that's coming back. So if you are there knowing what to look forward to and also what things are going on, just have the app available so that way when you're there, you're good. Okay, that works. Okay, now going from pretend scary to really, really, really Yeah, this was so scary Um, when I read it. Yeah, I, I, uh, folks, I don't know if you heard what happened in Southern California earlier this month, uh, but basically there was this teenager from New Zealand, a, a young girl who visited Universal Studios Hollywood as well as the Disneyland Resort and may have accidentally exposed thousands of tourists to measles. Um So, okay, let me be the joyful bringer of news here. Uh, If you were at Disneyland or Disney's California Adventure on August 12th, likewise, if you were at Universal Hollywood, uh, also uh, the TCL Chinese Theater and Madame Tussauds on Hollywood Boulevard on August 14th or 15th, you need to pay attention to your health uh, because that's the thing about measles. It's you don't have to have direct contact. It, it's a, a disease that can be passed through the air. You know, get airborne contagion. Yep. Uh, more to the point, it can take as long as 21 days before 
you know, if you're exposed to it, the symptoms start to show up, and that includes fevers and rash. So I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to spoil anybody's vacation, but if you, again, if you were out in Southern California visiting these tourist attractions August 12th through the 15th, uh, you need to sort of be that much more aware of your health uh, for at least another 10 days, possibly two. And we're also adding into this because time uh, reported on this. And they also mentioned that, uh, so this was through the AP um, Associated Press, that she also arrived at LAX. Uh, on August the 11th. Oh, so <laughs> on top of okay. Disneyland and DCA yeah. and Universal, if you went through Los Angeles International Airport on August the 11th, you probably want to just go and, I don't know, visit your doctor. Okay. But, uh, let's stress here. She, she, she came from New Zealand, so she yeah. would have just come through the international terminal. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, all right. Tell you what, that's that's not a really happy way to go into the commercial, but we're still going into a commercial, folks. But but when we come back, we're going to give you an update on how Hobbs and Shaw's has been doing uh, at the box office, as well as share some listener mail. And we're back. Um, oh, before we get started here, uh, while Dustin and I were pre-gaming, you mentioned you came across some very interesting trademarks just prior to us starting record tonight. Yeah. So we are, let's see, I'm just going to bring them up because it's always fun to, you know, go into Trademark Central and seeing what's around. All right. So it looks like um, Universal Monsters has officially been trademarked. Um, a trademark has been filed uh, with the um, with the federal government as of Friday, August 23rd. So we have multiple trademarks for that. We also have um, and Universal Monsters. So that's classic monsters. That's uh, we're thinking possibly uh, Epic Universe, but it could be used for everything from books and magazines to pre-recorded video discs and DVDs. Um, to clothing. So it's all over the place. Um, we also saw the new trademark come out for Minions, The Rise of Gru. So that is, once again, everything across the board. There are multiple trademarks for this, and that's because it is uh, coming out next year, right? Yeah, this is the Illuminations Entertainment's uh, upcoming animated film. Uh, arrives in theaters July 3rd, 2020. Kind of interesting thing about this project, they remember Minions, the, the 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 film, the standalone film, did quite well, and there was then a Despicable Me three that that did well, and somewhere along the line, once Comcast bought DreamWorks and Chris Melandry uh, ended up kind of pulling a John Lasseter, being in charge of two animation studios. There was a decision made that rather than doing, say, a Minions 2 and a Despicable Me 4, that literally they sort of leaned the two projects into one another. So now this is, a, you know, basically the, sh the film that shows you how Gru and the Minions came together and, and formed the, the, you know, the comical criminal syndicate that they operate. You know, so look for lots of merchandise featuring a younger, probably <laughs> with hair, you know, uh, uh, grew. And yeah. it be interesting to see what they do with the minions. Uh, but you also, while you're at it, you uncovered another set of uh, trademarks related to uh, a universal animated feature, right? 
Yeah, it was actually for DreamWorks uh, Trolls World Tour. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And so that was actually so that was um, the trademark was filed back in uh, March, but just mm-hmm. as any sort of uh, process, they go through months upon months of back and forth and back and forth. So this one has been issued. Mm-hmm. So it is uh, coming out. Uh, the filing was as of uh, July. Let's hear July thirtieth. So it's it's out there. Yeah, and the interesting thing is they've got an April 17th, 2020 release date for this thing. And Mm -hmm. what's kind of intriguing about that is um, (laughs) sort of pivot to Disney for a quick sec here. Um, On the heels of what happened with both Infinity War and Endgame, where remember, those were movies that were in May that gradually because of audience demand actually slid into late April. And so now the belief is that the summer movie-going season, blockbuster season, actually begins the last week of April. Now, what's kind of intriguing is Trolls is is kind of an eagerly anticipated sequel. Mm -hmm. And Universal and DreamWorks are kind of rolling the dice here to the effect of hey, let's see whether or not we can actually move blockbuster season even a little further out. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they're looking, rather than the last week of April, this is literally, say, uh, third weekend in April? You know, second weekend in April, depending on how the the calendar falls. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, and they're also, like, when you look at the cast, oh my goodness, they... They're doubling down. So not only do you have everyone from the original cast, so Anna Kendrick, Justin Timberlake, um, but then they filled out the the cast pretty huge with James Corden, uh, Kelly Clarkson, uh, Ozzy Osbourne, um, a couple of like my favorite uh, voices that are out there from, you know, Gwen Stefani to Keenan Thompson. And yeah, th- this kind of a, uh, a show when they're bringing it out in April is perfect time. Uh, well, but but that said, uh, in, in fact, what's and again, this is this is kind of brave of both Universal and DreamWorks to do this, given what's just happened uh, this past spring and summer. Very true. Um, if you, in fact, we've talked about Secret Life of Pets too, and how you know it, it supposedly an eagerly anticipated sequel that that did kind of middling business. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing happened again, another, uh, DreamWorks, uh, project, you know, how to train a dragon hidden world, uh, coupled with, you know, Lego movie Two, the second part, you know, the, honestly, the only animated sequel this summer that's managed to do the business that people thought that it would do mm-hmm. was, uh, Toy Story four. But, but even then, if you talk with folks at Disney, they honestly believe that perhaps it was a mistake to bring Toy Story 4 out the same summer as uh, John Favreau's Lion King. That, oh. you know, it, you know, well, again, you know, face it, that was a, a monstrous success. And more to the point, you know, just sort of sucked a lot of air out of the box office. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, no one at Disney is complaining that, you know, uh, Toy Story 4 became the studio's $5 billion earner for the year. Uh, but quietly, if you talk with them, it's like, 
well, we thought we were going to have a billion two. Yeah. You know, so that's $200 million that went into Simba's pocket that should have gone to Woody and Buzz. So, um, and while we're talking box office here, we'll do, let's pivot and talk about Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, and again, you and I talked about this Fast and Furious spin the last show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's continued to chug along in the box office. The interesting thing is that to date, it's only sold $147 million worth of tickets in North America, 440 overseas. So, mm-hmm. Uh, total worldwide box office, uh, $588 million. And which, just to be clear, that's less than half the business that Fast and Furious, the last Fast and Furious film, Fate of the Furious, did when it was released to theaters back in the spring of 2017. And again, ironically enough, it earned the money that Disney thought Toy Story 4 was going to earn. It's $1.2 billion. Mm-hmm. Um, so Universal was kind of downbeat about Hobbs and Shaw because, you know, just they put $200 million into this thing and when you're at 588 worldwide, I mean, look, you're going to turn a profit, just not a big one, or at least the way Hollywood math works. But Dustin, that literally all changed this past weekend when Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. That, by the way, is the real name of this movie, you know, <laughs> You know, just just in case, it's almost a Fast and Furious film, folks. You, you know, Fast and Furious presents. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it opens in China, and, and over a single weekend, this Universal Picture release in one territory makes a hundred and two million dollars. So suddenly, the world is so much brighter for Hobbs and Shaw. You kind know, of this Fast and Furious spinoff. As of right now, it's far more likely. We're going to get a sequel to this thing in uh, summer of 2022. And and more to the point, given that response to Universal product, I cannot tell you how happy the people who work at Universal Parks and Resorts are that they're opening Universal Studios Beijing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that right now is tentatively scheduled to open in spring of 2021. Um, now, I, I think we've talked previously about the concept art for uh, Universal Beijing and how it's laid out. Yeah, it looks uh, gorgeous. If you're a theme park fan, you want to go and, uh, you know, check out this uh, this concept art. And I stumbled upon it through uh, Theme Park University. So they mm-hmm. have right. a, um, Josh did a, an article back in uh, September of 2018. And he's basically yep. brought a ton of that initial concept art mixed in with uh, plans and all the different zones together into one page, which is a great help. I don't know that the Josh uh, Josh Young, uh, the the gentleman behind Theme Park University, always does good work. If you're not already, if you haven't already booked that Mark this uh, site, folks, you should. It's it's there's always great great stories there, always good info. But but yeah, I, for me, what I find fascinating about the setup for Beijing is the notion that. You, when you enter the park, you walk under the giant Universal Hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, it's it's giant. This thing is huge. It's not, in fact, for me, what's kind of intriguing is it's supersizing what they did at Euro Disneyland, Disneyland Paris. I mean, you have the, the Euro Disneyland. I'm sorry, I keep dating myself. That's what they <laughs> called the hotel back in 92, Jim. It's yep. been the Disneyland Paris Hotel since... 94, 95. Um, anyway, the Disneyland Paris Hotel, they, they, 
you know, you have your ticket booth, you have your entrance plaza largely under this hotel, which doesn't overwhelm the hotel. Yet it doesn't loom larger block out. It 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 fits the world. Whereas when you look at the concept art for Beijing, this hotel, you know, has to be fifteen stories tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it looms up over the entire park. And I guess what's intriguing for me is if conversely, if you look at um, you know, what's been proposed for Epic Universe, you have that huge hotel, but it's at the back of the park. Yeah. And and positioned in such a way there that, you know, I would honestly be surprised that, you know, if this isn't the screen for the nightly projection mapping souvenir or you know, finale fireworks driven show. Mm-hmm. But what's kind of intriguing is that if you then pivot to the expansion that's going on at Tokyo Disney Sea's Fantasy Springs, yeah. that it's also going to have an in-park hotel at the back of Tokyo Disney Seas. But again, Disney's trying to sort of split the difference here. They, they, it's, a, it's certainly larger than, say, the, the Disneyland Paris Hotel. And in fact, I want to say when you enter uh, Tokyo Disney Seas, you actually go under one of their hotels as well. Yep, that's correct. Um, so it's, it, to me, that it's fascinating. You're kind of bookending the park with uh, hotels. But yeah, we are in such a, a, a different time. Um, though, before we step off of the concept art here, I want to... <laughs> Uh, I want to share something that a, a good friend shared with me in regard to this piece of concept art. Uh, can't tell you who they are or their association with the project. Basically, um, they're in the mix, folks. Yeah. And they were talking about how people reacted to this piece of concept art. Because quote: people examined every micron of that art, intentionally vague as it was. Every brushstroke was scrutinized, you know. Uh, you know, and he, he felt bad because you know so many of those keystone details that people honed in on were probably created when the artist's cat walked across the syntech. Just he said basically, look, you know, people on the internet have elaborate uh, theories about every brushstroke in that piece of concept art yep. for Epic Universe, and if you talk to the um, you know, the actual theme park designer who was involved with that painting, their reaction basically would be that part, that the orange part there, that's orange, because I, I like orange. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyway, so just, again, want to put that out there. Be, uh, and plans change, folks. I Absolutely. Mean, they, they, particularly with theme parks, they, they change all the time. In fact, you know, you have to understand that Universal announced its Florida project in a glittery press conference, which was held in Orlando in July of 1981. And at this point, the project, which was supposed to cost um, $170 million, uh, which, again, what, that's one third of what Disney spent on, on Avatar, the World of Pandora? Yeah, uh, that's that's a that's cute. Like, imagine being back in those days and being like, "Oh, we're going to build this for 125 million dollars." What? No. Yeah. <laughs> but but here's the thing: at this point, they're still anticipating that the park will open 
1984. And, mm-hmm. um, okay, so it's going to be built on 423 acres, okay. uh, just 10 miles north of, of Disney World. It will be home to a state-of-the-art motion picture and television studio. Also planned as an adjacent area for guest accommodations and services. But here's basically what your experience was supposed to be. A visitor tour will be divided into two parts. A 45-minute long tram ride through an extensive back lot and a visit to the entertainment center. Uh, Along the tram route, a runaway train will rush toward guests only to screech to a halt just inches away from passengers. Uh, The mechanical shark from Jaws will lurch out of the water to try to bite off uh, some hot lunch. And not to be outdone, the Great King Kong will take a swipe at passengers. Uh, To fill in the slow spots of the tram tour, guests will be subjected to a hurricane, a glacier avalanche, and a collapsing bridge. And through ingenious mechanical means, a body of water will give way to the parting of the Red Seas, and Mm. robots and spacemen will fight a laser battle aboard an alien spaceship from Battlestar Galactica. So this is the Hollywood tram tour lifted up and carried 3,000 miles across the country and dropped in Orlando. Uh, Now, Mm -hmm. at the entertainment center... Uh, there'll be a series of shows based on well-known sets and stages. On a typical Western movie street, Sandman will shoot a spectacular gunfight. Um, the part of this that is especially fascinating, you know, and think about this. This is, this is 81, they make this announcement. Uh, featured as part of this Universal City Florida Park is Castle Dracula, where, actually, the, this is the way they say it, folks, Classic Universal stars from the 30s and the 40s, Frankenstein's Monster, The Wolfman, mm-hmm. and Dracula, uh, you know, featured in an attraction for guests. So think about it. That's 1981. They make this announcement. Here we are in 2019, and, and Dustin, you just came across, you know, those copyrights. You know, they are still trying to figure out how to bring these characters into the park in a way that connect with folks. And you know what? At the end of the day, a lot of those connections just aren't really connecting with the the guests. Folks are going into, and and I think I mentioned this too, folks are going into uh, focus groups and Mm -hmm. saying, hey, this is what, and Universal is presenting their uh, ideas for the future of, hey, what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? We had a, um, a listener reach out and say, hey, this is something that we encountered on a, a, a recent focus group. And they sent along six of the different concepts that were being shown to the group. And out of all of the concepts, he was basically the only person out of 10 in that group that all had kids between the ages of uh, I think he said ages of seven to 11. And he was the only one that was excited about classic monsters. And it's because something that you've brought up and we've talked about it in the past that universal classic monsters are classic because folks remember not only when they were filmed, but also as they were being reintroduced by, by the various forms of entertainment through DVDs and, you know, behind the scenes featurettes and Kids nowadays just don't have that same connection to Frankenstein or to, um, you know, a monster meet and greet or even something that he put out there was that, yeah, what about Scooby-Doo? Mm-hmm. And all of those types of things, we just don't have that same connection. 
And uh, another thing that came up during this conversation that, you know, you and I have talked about in the past was Universal is very good for teens and then going into adults. Mm -hmm. Their way of focusing on the kids is that area in Universal Studios, Florida, that has Woody Woodpecker, Barney, E.T., and... You know, do kids really – when's the last time a kid has ever watched a Barney show or a Woody Woodpecker show or have ever, ever seen E.T. Uh, the, the movie? Hmm. So it's it's a fun little, you know, rope uh, – tightrope that Universal is trying to figure out for their new theme park. And we would love to see classic monsters if it's done properly. I just don't know what properly is. Well, and uh, and I hold that thought about the the, sure. the kid friendly thing because yeah, I yeah. want to circle back to the story I was referencing that started off with that July nineteen eighty one press. Oh yeah, yes, yes, sorry. Um, so this is eighty three or thereabouts. Uh, yeah. And what ends up happening is that Universal puts. The park in Florida on hold for at least six months at, at, at mm-hmm. this point. And one of the more interesting things they cite is that they had seen what was happening with Epcot, that it was not meeting its attendance projections. And so there was a hesitancy to go forward to build yet another theme park in the central Florida market. Uh, mm-hmm. Based on the fact that the brand new one, the, you know, the long anticipated Epcot Center just up the street at Disney, wasn't d- sure. doing the business that they had hoped it would do. Um, so you know, so it's like, hey, we're we're just going to tap the brakes here a little while and see if that sort of course corrects. You know, if, if that's just a temporary thing or if that's you know something that's really going on. Now we we jump ahead to ten years to. Uh, mm-hmm. 1993, and well, what? Let's start with that. That you you got a listener letter there. Uh, yeah, I did. Um, by the way, if anyone ever wants to send us uh, ideas for uh, any sort of uh, you know conversation topic, anything like that, just flip it over. We're more than happy to uh, to check it. I think Jim, you're you're still at Jim at jimhillmedia.com, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just ideas at stepstomagic.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you do have these types of things, this is great. So we got it from uh, from Jason, mm-hmm. uh, who said, I have a question for you about Epic Worlds. Mm-hmm. You and Jim discussed uh, the Looney Tunes that were going to be present in Isles of Adventure uh, on a previous Universal Joint podcast. In Epic Worlds, is there any discussion on a land like that? I have no idea why Looney Tunes had basically dropped out of pop culture, especially from the renaissance of the 1990s. And uh, is Universal dead on that intellectual property? Uh, I think those characters can give a strong presence uh, with today's youth, given the retro uh, Mickey shorts that are being out there. Big fan of the podcast, Jason. Okay. Well, again, ironically enough, if you really want to learn about the second gate that uh, was going to be built prior to Isla's Adventure, and that was Tooniversal Studios... What you want to do, oddly enough, is is go over to Josh Young's Theme Park University. Uh, he has some amazing articles, especially going into crazy detail of the uh, Gotham City and the Metropolis portions of that theme park. But, And I want to say he does have a great piece of concept art for Acme Acres 
the Warner Brothers section of that theme park, which was oddly enough going to be in the position where uh, the Jurassic Park Discovery Center is right now. In fact, the idea was when you arrived at that park, um, what was fun is there was going to be the equivalent of a hitching post out front. Mm -hmm. And you were going to have all of these tuned up, you know, items that people would have used for transportation, whether it's a witch's broom or, you know, like Popeye's tugboat or that sort of thing. But Mm -hmm. the idea is you had this array of vehicles of all of these characters who were in that park in front of you. you. You know, you literally saw that they had come into work that day. And then you walk into this park and, you know, you would have had Gotham City to your right in kind of the position where Seuss's Landing is now. And uh, Metropolis was going to be on your left side where uh, Marvel Superhero Island is. And But again, if you looked across the water, if you remember the Tiny Toons TV show from the late 80s. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the, that, okay. that was like my childhood. It was brilliant. <laughs> At Acme University, exactly. We are degree. Okay, you literally would have looked across the the the, the lake, the, the 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 lagoon, and there was Acme University looming up in the background. And then, as you 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 know, you made your way. There was uh, going to be sublands within the land, and uh, they were going to have a wonderful Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote themed uh, roller coaster that had to be had to this day has my favorite launch of an attraction that never got built. Mm-hmm. That you you basically climbed into one of those rockets that Wiley was always buying from the Acme Corporation. And, you know, big red rocket, you know, with the cone shape at the top and the fins in the back. And when it was time for the launch sequence, uh, <laughs> the interesting thing is only the people who were standing in line looking at you about to be launched would see this. But this giant robotic arm would reach out with a match. Oh, that's awesome. And go to the very back of the rocket. And, you know, just you'd, you'd hear the sizzle noise and then you'd boom out of, you know, the station. And then you were basically, you know, the idea was that you were chasing the Roadrunner for Wiley. He mm-hmm. was remote controlling you. But here's the thing. The reason that never went forward was because after Universal Creative does all of this work, and so they sit down with Warner Brothers to make the deal, mm-hmm. and Saul Steinberg sits down with the head of Warner Brothers, and they said, okay, and we've got to remember that at this point, Warner Brothers owns DC. Mm-hmm. Warner Brothers owns all of the Warner Brothers characters. This is a one-stop shop for a, an amazing library of characters. And the head of, of Warner's at this point is like, look, you know, uh, you know, we're happy to do business with you, and we want um, we want an upfront payment, you know. And we're willing to sell to you the theme park rights to this array of characters to use at Universal Studios theme park, uh, but you need to pay us upfront forty million dollars. Okay, that's reasonable. Forty million for that entire library. Well, not according to Sol Steinberg. Oh, uh, he SeaWorld it, didn't it? Yeah, he did. Oh. He did. It was it was just one of these things where because he thought that was that was greedy, you yeah. know, that that you know, you know, that we're all going to make money off of this. You're going to sell t-shirts, you're going to sell toys, you know, why why do we need to pay money up front, you know? Uh and he eventually he killed the deal and then suddenly from having all of this great IP all in one place, 
he's now got to go back and piecemeal it. Now, mind you, in the same window of time, here comes Jurassic Park over the hill, mm-hmm. and you know that's clearly a huge thing. And more to the point, they have their pre-existing relationship with Steven Spielberg. Yeah. So it's like okay, and at the same time, Marvel was in a position that. that they were willing to sell, and I mean, we've gone over a lot of this this stuff before. But I guess what I'm saying here is that you know it, it is kind of ironic because yes, they don't have uh, the Warner Brothers characters, mm-hmm. but they did make that four billion dollar deal for the DreamWorks characters, and you will see those represented in Epic Universe. I mean, in much the same way that we're we're seeing them, you know, the, the DreamWorks and Illuminations characters represented now. We've got uh, Secret Life of Pets off the leash opening at Universal Hollywood next summer. Uh, we've just had, you know, in the past year or so, we've had that DreamWorks theater with, with the Kung Fu Panda new 4D movie. Yep. And, uh, you know, we've... You know, we've seen things popping up in the Universal uh, Florida and Islands Park, you know, and, and that's also going to continue to happen. Hell, I, I think we talked about it in a previous show how uh, they've created a whole Minions-themed land with standalone attractions at Universal Studios Japan. Yep. So um, it's, you know, that they are making an effort to appeal to kids but it's the, again, sort of circling back to this all Seinberg thing. We don't want to do it paying some the rights to somebody else. I yep. mean, uh, we, we if possible, you want to use it use IP we have in-house that we own. So I, I guess what I'm saying is watch this space. Yep. You know, that, that it's, it's going to get interesting in the next couple of years or so. But anyway, uh, come November, Dustin and I will be talking at length about Things like Tooniversal Park and, you know, the various attractions that were supposed to be built there. Or more to the point, the stuff that was supposed to go into uh, Universal Studios Florida for this 1981 plan. But well, why don't you tell them a little bit about our event in November, Dustin? Sure. Uh, we're getting very close to it. It's uh, just around the corner. November 15th through until the 18th of uh, 2019 it's going to be a universal christmas with jim with special guest me uh <laughs> so we're going to be at um sapphire falls uh, resorts um everything from resorts uh holiday decoration tours we're going to be in both parks so universal studios florida as well as islands of adventure uh checking out the grinch miss holiday spectacular um the magic of christmas holiday uh spectacular at um hogwarts castle Really, it's just a, a, a great event that you'll be able to uh, basically pick our brains and say, hey, what about this? What about this? And just walk around the theme parks and have some fun with uh, with Jim and myself. So, yeah, that's over. So that's November 15th to the 18th. All the information is available online at storybookdestinations.com. Uh, up at the top, just scroll to the Disney Dish slash uh, slash uh, Jim Hill button. Just click on that. And uh, yeah, lots of uh, great information, but definitely now is the time that, you know, as the summer is coming to an end, you want to think about, you know, the holidays. So uh, might as well head over there and, and see if it'll fit within your vacation plans. 
And speaking of great information about the parks, you know, that that's, you don't just talk here, Dustin. You have, you know, a couple of podcasts of your own. Could, if people wanted to, to listen to those, where could they find them? Yeah, so I'm over at the We Like Theme Parks podcast. So it's uh, three, uh, three theme park nerds talking about theme parks. So it's uh, great fun. We, we have a, a tendency to uh, react to different uh, announcements and talk about trip planning and all that other fun stuff. Um, and on top of that, I'm over at StepsToMagic.com. So that's uh, Disney and Universal trip planning. Uh, and, you know, there's just so much in the theme park industry right now that uh, I'm found on two spots, but Jim has what? You're up to 27 podcasts at this point? Uh, uh, 28, but who's talking? <laughs> okay, yeah, we've got the, the, the Mothership Disney Dish with uh, Len Testa. We have Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor. We have Marvel Us Disney, where Aaron Adams and I talk about what's going on on the Marvel side of the fence. Uh, we have Looking at Lucasfilm with Dan Zare. Uh, and poor Dan is still trying to recover from the D23 Expo. We have the I Want That uh, show with Michelle Valladolid, which is about Disney merch. And, of course, you have the show that you are listening to today, uh, Universal Joint. Uh, tell you what, if you could do myself and Dustin a favor, if you could head over to iTunes and rate and recommend their shows, that would be incredibly helpful. Uh, likewise, if you really, really, really like what we do here at Universal Joint, if you get over to Bandcamp and subscribe, uh, that would be cool. And I guess that will do it for now. And I think by the next time we record one of these things, uh, Dustin, uh, it will be Halloween Horror Night time. And maybe we'll actually find out about that mysterious Terminator 2 3D rumor. Oh, that'll be um, awesome. That would be awesome. It, it seems unlikely, but that would be awesome. But if that happens, folks, we'll discuss that on the next show. Uh, but till then, take care.